This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. So much to get to today. Plenty has happened here in these last few days since uh, we had a chance to talk on Temple and Heilprin on uh, last Thursday night. Um, transfer portal. Players giving up football, the bowl game, plenty to get to. Uh, I think, though, Jesse, we need to start. What is an NIL agent? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, obviously, there I know what an NIL agent is. Uh, Wisconsin players have them. They I mean, we have at times had players out on the radio out at the radio show. I've contacted some players and I'll get like, can you reach out to my representation instead? which is completely fine. I understand that idea of an NIL agent. What I don't get is an NIL agent handling your entire recruitment, which is apparently what is happening with Leon Lowry, the Syracuse linebacker who committed to Wisconsin on Sunday night and Monday afternoon, early Monday afternoon, maybe early, late Monday morning, decommitted from Wisconsin. And uh, we find out that he has turned all his recruitment over to his NIL agent, whose name is something wash, Brian wash, Chris wash, Chris wash, whatever the hell his name is. Um, he is, uh, he's a, I mean, he's a different dude. Uh, our, our colleague at, uh, Wisconsin state journal had an opportunity to chat with him, uh, Colton Bartholomew. And he put all the blame on the Wisconsin fans for, uh, his guy not being, or not wanting anything to do with Wisconsin. But essentially what he said happened was he got home and his mom's like, you have all these other, other options. Why did you commit? And so he decommitted. And um, while that is, I think that's, you know, if, if we were to give the benefit of the doubt to guys, we'd say, okay, yeah, he, he jumped the gun a little bit. The more timely thing and the idea that gets into your head when this type of stuff happens because of the type of atmosphere that we're in, someone else offered more money. Someone else came with more money to his agent. His agent's like, hey, you can get more money going here. Because he put out a tweet saying, know your worth. So, I mean, it, it feels, again, that's total speculation on my part. What his agent said, I think I've already explained what his agent said. That's what I think. <laughs> Leon Lowry, we hardly knew you. <laughs> what was, um, I, 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 got a, I got a text or I got a tweet saying, what was your favorite part of the uh, Leon Lowry era? Well, if you're a Badgers fan, it was when he committed on Sunday night and you had a moment to enjoy what could have been, I suppose, even though based on what's happened in the last year. And I got this comment, too, when I wrote about Leon that uh, <laughs> everything this year comes with a measure of rightful, I should say, skepticism after everything that happened last year. But this is at least you got your at least you got your story out. Sure. And and I'll, and I'll certainly get to that. Um, he's still a college kid. Right. But I think we can all agree that he handled this terribly. I think if he would have said, and it wouldn't have been a great look either way, but if you just come out and say, I rushed my decision, I, I was on a high from coming off my visit to Wisconsin, and there were these other schools, and I'd really like to take those visits and then make my decision, people wouldn't be happy, but okay. <laughs> but then the way that this happened was he retweeted an on three story that he had decommitted, and that's how people found out. And then he took down his commitment posts for Wisconsin, 
And then he didn't answer any calls or texts and put out on his Twitter account that he was directing all inquiries to his agents to handle his recruitment moving forward. So handled horribly. But I did have a chance to talk to him Sunday night after he committed. I think he had just gotten back um, and was in the car. And it, it was a really short conversation. But some of the things that he said were so he, he came to town from Friday to Sunday toward the campus, talked to players, had dinners with coaches. And he said some of the reasons he committed at the time were how much Luke Fickle had his, a winning background. Talked about how much he turned around Cincinnati into being a, a college football playoff team. And he said, I just believe in him and their interest in me. They made me feel as family and I could tell they didn't want me. They needed me. So he wanted to come and be developed. And I didn't include this in the initial news story, but I asked him at the end, like, because he had tweeted about offers from like a half a dozen schools. Um, I said, did you consider like visiting any of these other schools? Because Wisconsin was his first and only visit. And he said, I, I don't want to get into that right now. There were other schools I had dates to plan to go to, but I didn't feel like that was necessary because Wisconsin had everything I wanted. It was a no brainer. All the things you would expect someone to say after they have committed. And then less than 24 hours later, he changes his mind. So you can you can debate the reasons, but it was handled terribly. And now it leaves Wisconsin in a spot where they still need help at outside linebacker because this was a guy who started all 12 games at Syracuse this season, was productive, 46 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. And CJ Getz is leaving. And they don't have a lot of experience right now at that position. They've got Daryl Peterson, Jeff Petrowski played some, Caden Johnson barely played. I think pro football focus has him for 35 snaps. He could have been a guy that you plugged in. Now they don't have that and they've got to start over. Yeah. I mean, it's he, you go and look and you read about him and obviously he was able to hit the portal earlier because the coach got fired, but you look at the guys that they were trying to keep. And like almost every article that you read, was like, you got to keep Leon Lowry. Like Leon Lowry is a guy that you have to keep. He was now the numbers, the numbers are productive. Seven and a half times for loss. I think it was three and a half sacks. Like those are those are productive numbers. You could certainly take those at Wisconsin. It wasn't like off the charts productive, but he was still relatively young. So the fact that he's not here, that that one obviously not ideal for Wisconsin. But you're right. It, it wasn't handled well. And, and I I would have no problem with him going and trying to get more money. Like I, that doesn't that's that's what this era is about. I, I totally understand that. But then don't commit, right? Like just play things out and figure out the best offer from there. And uh, this feels, I don't know, to me, it feels more like people outside of him handling this than him handling it. You know what I mean? Like him saying when he got home, his mom's like, and I don't know if he's blaming his mom or he's just, you know, putting that off as another reason, but it sounds like, it feels like some people around him are trying to get the most money for themselves as well as him, as well as him. He's not like he's not going to get that, but it feels like there's some, um, self-serving here going on from from agents, and again, that's what college football ha has become. It's kind of turned into the NFL, but the NFL, like the players, have so much of the power there. It's not really the agents that have the power; it's the player that have has the power, and they can go around and they're always looking for more money. But it's also a fit too. And in, in this situation, it certainly feels like the agent is the one that's pushing this, and maybe um, places to go to rather than him. I mean, they're not. Don't even contact me. Don't even this is just go to just go to these guys. It's it's uh, I guess it's what college football is. I, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen with guys that are on Wisconsin's team right now. I don't know. I don't know any specific 
situations where that's been the case where the agent has handled everything because last year a majority of them were that they brought in were guys that they knew and had relationships with this one they didn't have a relationship with whatsoever correct as far as i know yeah and we don't have a record book here but this has to go down as the shortest duration of a commitment to wisconsin that i can ever remember yeah yeah i would say so i would say so uh, but it does leave them, you know, needing some some help at outside linebacker. And look, we know they are going to continue to pursue the portal, and it's only into day one here. And there's going to be more guys that will that will find it. Maybe it's a guy that you're going to add after spring too. You know, we'll we'll see how they want to do that. But yeah, he would have been a a nice addition, a nice addition. I don't know if he's going to be making or breaking a year on defense, but it would have been a nice addition for them. And um, was I mean. He said Wisconsin's still a possibility, but because of what Wisconsin fans said to him, because he's a three-year-old and uh, is a, is messed up, or his or his agent's a three-year-old and doesn't appreciate his his client being skewered on the internet for wanting more money, even that's exactly, in my opinion, what it is. Whatever, move on. Um, so that was that's that was the guy that was supposed to be coming in. <laughs> Several guys have already gone out. Um. I don't think, I mean, we talked about this last week on, on Temple and High Alpern with Miles Burkett going out and Dylan Barrett going out. Um, but what we don't, and what we haven't talked about yet was the departures of wide receivers, Chimray DK and Skyler Bell. Now, Chimray DK walked at graduation, kind of thought he was gone no matter what. And he is gone, but he's not ending his college career. He has decided to transfer as a graduate transfer somewhere else. We'll find out, I guess, where that is. And then Skyler Bell, who was second on the team in catches this year with 38. I think he only had 297 yards on those 38 catches. I think it was about seven and a half yards per reception, um, is not uh, coming back either. He is he is headed to the portal as well. We'll see where either one of those guys up guys ends up. I guess the Chimray one kind of surprised me a little bit, but... Skylar Bell one didn't. He was very, very good friends and is still very good friends with Keontes Lewis. They live together. And I thought that there was a chance after spring that he was going to enter the portal. Now, he got plenty of reps, I would say, this year, but maybe not the exact reps that he was looking for. Um, and uh, he moves on as well. Either one of those surprise you? Um, the Chimray one more than the Skylar one just because here's a Waukesha kid, an in-state guy, gave four years here, and I thought, well, maybe he's done, or maybe he'll use a COVID year here. But and we can talk about each of these individually. I guess I would start with Chimray. Um, and we should also mention this, too, that uh, not that this is the reason either of these guys are leaving, don't think that it is, but wide receivers coach Mike Brown is expected to be hired for the same position at Notre Dame. Just another wrinkle in the wide receiver room and how it's going to look different next season. Uh, my colleague at the athletic who covers Notre Dame, Pete Sampson has confirmed that. So it would appear that Brown is gone as well. Going to look a heck of a lot different next season. So wide receivers coach and associate head coach, um, a yeah. guy that had been with Luke Fickle for a bit here. Uh, the, look, I think Jimmer had a, a very nice career at Wisconsin. He finished, I think top 20 all time in yards. He had uh, close to a hundred catches. He was a big part of what they did in 2022, not as big of a part here in 2023 because the offense largely features the slot receiver. And um, 
you know, that wasn't necessarily, he didn't get a ton of opportunities, I would say. Maybe he had 19 catches. It's a pretty drastic decline from the previous year when I think he was in the 50s, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 50. so, I mean, I, I understand like there was, this wasn't necessarily what he probably had envisioned when you bring in the air raid and you're expecting even more opportunities and those opportunities didn't come. Yeah, I think this has a lot to do with it. In his junior season, it was really his breakout year. He had 47 catches, 689 yards, six touchdowns, led the team in all those categories. But like you mentioned, Zach, his role substantially changed in this new offense and ends up with 19 catches for 328 yards and a touchdown. I think that played a big part in why he is moving on. He wants to be more of a featured guy, and this offense just did not align with his skill set and, and what he did as a junior so it is a, a little bit surprising, but again, if you've got an opportunity to continue playing and you believe there's a fit out there for you that's better, go ahead and take that. And the other thing, he came here at a time when I <laughs> just think about his career and 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 where this program was. Grows up in the state, watches how good they are for the entire decade, gets here in 2020, and ends up starting six of the seven games. There were injuries, obviously. So they go two and zero, and then. <laughs> The stuff hits the fan and it's never been the same since. And he just, I have to imagine that's a lot to go through just mentally and emotionally, right? Be even beyond on the field every year. It never lived up to what you thought it was going to be. So he's got an opportunity to move on. And I think it, if you're a Badgers fan, maybe you can debate how much you feel like it hurts, but it is an in-state guy that was really important to the last four years of this program. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wonder if, you know, potentially he ends up in a place where for a wide receiver coach that he actually played for. I mean, obviously, Mike Brown. Yeah, I don't think Notre Dame's an option for for Tim Ray. I'll be honest. Um, I think they have some bigger targets that they probably are, are want to go after. That's not a shot at him. I'm just that's just it's Notre Dame. Um, so m- maybe Utah, where Alvis Witted is the wide receivers coach. You know, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. He He is. Definitely talented enough to start in the Power Five, and and uh, you know, good luck to him because he was uh, a stand-up guy throughout his entire career at Wisconsin, and did a lot of stuff off the field too. So he, I don't think there's anybody that can take issue with what he did during his time in Madison. Um, right. This, you know, go ahead. Well, the Skyler Bell one is um, that's what I was, interesting yeah. to yeah. Go ahead. No, go for it. It's interesting to you. Well. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure you remember this, but spring spring ball, not all that long ago, 2022, when Alvis Witted was the coach, who was one of the standouts of the spring? Like, really looked like, okay, if the season starts now, he's your number two wide receiver. He was that he was that good in the spring. And I remember Alvis Witted actually comparing him to Michael Gallup, who was one of his former players at Colorado State, had a tremendously successful college career, became a third-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. And when it talked about, here's what I like about Skyler. He's got great play strength and ability to grab passes at the catch point, and he can block in the run game. And then he went out and had a really good redshirt freshman season, 2022. 30 catches, 444 yards, five touchdowns, and he played 608 snaps. Then you get to, obviously, fast forward this spring. Well, Will Pauling comes in. Because remember, the first practice, and this is how you do it, Skyler Bell was with the ones very slowly. I mean, the three wide receivers to start spring, it was Chim Ray, it was Skylar Bell, and it was Keontes Lewis. Right, right. Well, it became clear very early that Will Pauling was that dude. And so Skylar ended up being the backup. And you're, he did play a fair amount. He ended up with more catches this season, had 38. 
but the yardage went way down. Touchdown numbers went way down. And he played three drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had seven drops, I think, according to pro football focus. But I think there was the stretch earlier in the season where it just seemed like he's having two a game. That was really problematic. I know he had a couple in the Ohio State game, but he ended up playing 374 snaps this season. So that's a significant decrease. And it makes sense why he's going to move on. Um, I mean, it's a significant decrease when you consider he was over 600 the year before, but right. it's I'm a different thinking, kind of offense. I'm thinking about the targets, though, too. Like his yep. I mean, targets per play are way up. Are they not? I mean, he had more catches and played yeah. half the snaps. Yeah, yes, you're right. Um, but yeah, it's not all that surprising. I mean, you knew when you've got a wide receiver room with that many scholarship guys and they're not all playing and you got to week two and Keontes Lewis was like, peace out, um, that not everybody was going to be happy. I had hoped to talk to Skyler. It didn't work out. And he said, um, and this isn't particularly illuminating, but he said, I loved every moment of my time here through the ups and downs. And he wanted to give his all to, to Badger Nation. So he he really didn't want to rehash what happened this season, which is understandable. But now they're in a spot where, and you tweeted about this, the top, the three starting receivers from 2022 all entered the portal Monday. Skylar Bell, Chimray DK, and not surprising, but Keontes Lewis officially entered the portal Monday as well. So a whole lot different in the wide receiver room. The reading comprehension for some people on that tweet was pretty remarkable. What did they say? I missed it. It kept on saying, where's Will Pauling? <laughs> does that say 2023 or does it say 2022? And then they're like, well, who cares about 2022? Well, I do. I pointed it out. That's why. <laughs> that's what I mean. You don't care. Yet you're the one that's interacting with the tweet. Stop it. Um, I understand. Like, I don't, I don't blame people. Like some people thought, oh, my God, 2020. They were thinking, well, Paul, I was in there, too. But like when you read it back, it says clearly 2022. That goes a step further. They're all the five wide receivers that caught passes in 2022 are all in the transfer portal right now. Marcus Allen, Dean Ingram. Yes. Um, so that's a pretty significant over a changeover. We, we, you know, we knew that there was going to be a whole bunch of new bodies at the wide receiver position going from last year. They added what well, they added four guys, right? Uh, the two from Cincinnati and then CJ Williams and Bryson Green. So those are four guys. But you still had the three returning guys coming back, and now they're gone too. And so you've totally flipped that room around. Like Vinny Anthony and is essentially the only guy that's still around. Uh, Chris Brooks Jr., I guess. That I mean, he was a true freshman, and um, and Tommy McIntosh, I guess. I think. Um, so like there is a that that you've changed that room over pretty significantly. It's it that and the quarterback room are the ones that have changed more so than any other position on this team. Yes. And spinning this forward, now you look at their needs. Uh, they have needs everywhere, essentially. And you could say that about a lot of teams. I kind of pointed that out. I did a position by position rundown on Monday of of portal needs. But now that you don't have those three guys who are occupying scholarships, at, as we're having this conversation, they're down to nine scholarship wide receivers. And this is a, a coaching staff that wanted to carry as many as 12 scholarship guys. You don't you need a lot of help. And that's why you can see it's reflected in some of the offers that they made. They're going hard at wide receivers. They offered a couple really, uh, I guess, guys who had a lot of success this past season. Former Michigan State wide receiver Tyrell Henry, former Louisiana Tech wide receiver Cyrus Allen. You know, we can get more into that if if you want to. But they're in a spot right now where wide receiver is right at the top of what they need, but they need defensive line. They obviously need outside linebacker. You can go down the list. They need a quarterback. 
it's more it's a shorter conversation to say what what don't they need yeah but again that's i think this is going to be kind of what these off seasons are now because you could look at every single team in this you know right now and be like they need this they need that they need this i mean even ohio state is sitting there you know kyle mccord goes into the to the portal now it's likely that ohio state has a quarterback lined up they're not they're not uh being like hey kyle mccord go to the portal if they don't have a guy lined up to come in and i've seen some people talking about cam moore be ending up there which would make a ton of sense um so that is that's just the environment that we're in i mean oklahoma through their court like dylan gabriel who was a very very good quarterback these last two years he's in the portal because i think they want to move on to their 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 five-star guy which is because they don't want him to transfer so those this is that's just what this is going to be, and I know it's very difficult for fans sometimes to accept it and be okay with it. But um, Wisconsin is is not an also ran when it comes to this. They are going to be, I think, an attractive place for people to come, but it's not it's it's not ideal that you need all these things. But um, they're trying, they're trying, and we'll see. I think the wide receiver thing is is huge, and because I think you know I'm I'm actually a big fan of Quincy Burroughs. I think he is. I think he's got a chance. And then, you know, with Bryson Green, assuming he's back, and um, and C.J. Williams, you need an explosive receiver at one of these spots. Uh, I I think Vinny Anthony, I think Tretch Kekahuna are going to be fine if they want to keep move those guys into the slot. I know, Tretch is already a slot guy, but Vinny played a ton of outside receiver. Um, and you need somebody explosive outside. You, at one of the spots, you need someone explosive at the outside. And for the most part this year, they didn't have that on the outside of their offense. It's why Vinny Anthony got moved to the outside. Now, certainly injuries to Bryson Green impacted that, but they could have just put C.J. Williams in there, and they didn't. They put Vinny Anthony in there because they needed some explosion. We talked to Phil Longo about that when we got to talk to him in the middle of the season. Sometimes there's At some point, there's going to be an explosive guy out there, I think is what essentially what he said. They didn't really have that this year, and that, I think, has to be something you target in the portal. Uh, you mentioned the kid from Michigan State, uh, Tyrell Henry, I believe. He is uh, former teammates with Amari Snowden, who uh, is tweeting and apparently calling him on a regular basis, trying to get him to to come here. Um, another guy in the portal that Amari was going after was Deion Burks, the wide receiver at Purdue. I don't know if that's uh, I think he's a is going to end up at a big time school, um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's an it's an interesting time for sure. Wisconsin also lost another uh, player, but it's not a guy that was with the team this year. It was a guy that we kind of were talking about before the season, potentially going to have a role. Jack Pugh, who I thought had a really good spring and I thought was poised for something he could do, you know, could have some impact in the in the fall, and it never happened. Um, and so he stepped away from football, and we find out that he gave up football um, in in the fall, he made the decision a long time ago that he was medically retiring for football, uh, has, uh, decided to then instead focus on his mental health and trying to find happiness. He said he's dealt with substance abuse and, uh, was in a dark place and not that football was the reason for that dark place, but it was kind of just something, um, to cover up what he was trying, you know, what he was feeling. And so, um, certainly, uh, thoughts to him and, and good for him to being able to come out and, um, admit that and um you know put himself first and his health first yeah it's a, obviously a tremendously difficult situation for him and for his family and not easy to step away from something that you put so much time and energy into you come to wisconsin on a scholarship there are a lot of 
high hopes for what he could provide. We saw very brief glimpses of it in practice, but I think we sort of anticipated that when when we learned yeah. he was out at the start of the season due to personal reasons that ultimately we may not see him again at Wisconsin. But what's most important is your mental well-being and and your personal health and and wish him the best of luck. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um there's also a football aspect of this too with that position. I kind of felt like we were moving forward with the idea that he was not going to be returning, but you you look at it, Hayden Rucci is a guy that I guess could come back. Um he uh, uh and this guy I guess goes to the conversations that we had with players on Monday. Uh, we talked with Hayden Rucci and with Hunter Wohler and both of them have uh, a chance to come back. Obviously Hunter Wohler will only be um a fourth year. I mean, he's, he's going to be a senior. He could go to the NFL if he wanted to. And he's certainly dis, uh, discussing that and going through that. He intends to play in the bowl game. Um, and then there's Hayden Rucci who could use his COVID year and come back. Obviously his brother's still on the team. You would think he would want another year of that, especially with his brother, potentially, potentially getting an opportunity to actually play next year um, because of their other uh, things that are going on with these guys right now. Jack Nelson, having to make a decision whether he wants to go or not. Tanner Bordellini having a decision whether he wants to go or not. Ricardo Hallman's also a, a guy that I believe is looking into um, the NFL simply because of the season that he had. Now, of those, throwing Rucci out of this, of those four guys, if I had to guess at this point, I'd say Jack Nelson is gone. I'd say Ricardo Hallman is back. I kind of think Hunter Wohler will be back. And then I think Tanner Bordellini is kind of a coin flip. I don't know how you feel about that. That's exactly what I would have said. Um, I know there's (laughs) no, no, it's okay. It's good. Good that we're in agreement. Um, I think people will look at Jack Nelson's season and say he underperformed tremendously. He had way too many penalties. I believe it was 13 and maybe only one of them was declined. Something like that. More than anybody in the Big Ten. And yet at the same time, you can't deny the 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 skill set that he has, which can translate to the NFL. And if you are a potential third round, fourth round guy, you give it strong consideration and, and it's quite likely that, that you move on. The, the Tanner Bordellini one is probably the most interesting to me out of the four, largely because he was forced into a position that is not the position that he <laughs> anticipated playing. Probably not. I don't know. I would say it's probably not his strongest position. And yet, other than some early season issues with the snapping and people, you know, obviously saw the lack of speed on the snaps, which was intentional as a pass blocker. He was excellent Had an, and I think he was a, what honorable mention all conference and third, third team, I think by the thir- media. And, yeah. Third team and honorable mention. But so it's like, well, you could come back and presumably play the position that would make more sense for you in the pros, put that on tape. But if you've got a chance again to be drafted in the middle rounds, it's very enticing. So I I, I agree with you. And the Hunter Wohler one, he, he had a great season, but I, I wonder, well, you have to think about where do you project as an NFL player right now? Where I mean, are you if you're a late round pick or potentially a free agent pickup, and and I don't know that for certain. I mean, I, I'm not saying that is Hunter. You can come back and improve your stock and so I think that's why he's got some tough conversations to have. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, again, we'll, we'll see. I think um, 
ESPN, I think uh, Mel Kuyper had Tanner as one of his top 10 centers. I, again, I, I don't know that he's going to play center in the NFL, but again, if you centers a huge spot, but I also think he can play guard too. Like, I don't, I don't know that they need to see him play a full season of guard to believe that he can do it. The, the impos- inside positions are inside positions and um, he has played guard and shown guard at uh, plenty of other times in his career. So I guess uh, we'll see, we'll see, but that one kind of feels a bit of a coin flip ish for me, but I guess we'll see how that plays out. Um, the bowl game, Wisconsin. Oh, they're take... going to a bowl game. Almost they forgot. Are. Yeah, Wisconsin. We don't know who's all going to be playing for them. Uh, they will take on LSU, who we don't know who will be playing with. I, I, I'd be really upset if I was LSU. Like, you are nine and three. You're ranked, I think, thirteenth in the country, and you get a seven and five team from the Big Ten that is not ranked and uh, was closer to not going to a bowl than getting to a New Year's Day Bowl. And I understand the New Year's Day Bowl because Wisconsin ha- is going to bring uh, more fans than Northwestern and Rutgers and um, whatever. What, uh, Maryland maybe was was another team that, that was potentially, in, I guess, in the running for this one. But I, quite honestly, was much, much more looking forward to going to Nashville <laughs> than to Tampa. Um, however, it is a bowl game that we've been to before. What was your greatest experience at the Outback Bowl? Now, obviously, the ReliaQuest Bowl. What was your what was your greatest experience? It's nine years ago now. Uh, I mean, obviously staying in a terrible motel across and between three separate strip clubs. I didn't go to any. I put that out there on on the record. Uh, Not (laughs) strip club capital capital. of the world. There it is. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. I think but what I... watching Melvin Gordon go off for 251 yes. and three touchdowns. Also, from what I recall, I think I still have a picture of this completely meaningless and uh, no one really cares. But they had someone carve uh, into the watermelons the logo of the Outback Bowl. I always thought, how the hell did they do that? That was that was impressive. Um, I think there are a couple of things that I remember. Melvin Gordon, obviously, the missed field goal, the whole uh, postgame scene where guys were like because they had lost. I think it was three straight bowl games because they lost the Rose. No, four straight bowl games because they lost three straight Rose Bowls and then the Capital One Bowl. And so it had been a, no one on that team had won a bowl game. And so they just went absolutely nuts. Just Corey Clement jumping into the stands, Melvin Gordon jumping into the stands. Uh, they get Barry and obviously Barry coaching that game because, you know, Gary Anderson had left and he gets the Gatorade bath. They put him up on his shoulders like it was yeah. it was it was an absolute scene. After that game, um, that was one of the that was probably the craziest post game scene, easily for a bowl game that I that I've been at, and I was on the field for it. So it was yeah, it was that was memorable off the field. That's See, actually Zach, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he, Zach and just, I, <laughs> Zach and yeah. I are doing a, a a video Zoom here as we're having this. So I I pulled up. Uh, I still have, have that. the photos. Yeah, I still have the photos. Uh, somebody carved into a watermelon. A picture of a Wisconsin football player carrying the ball with the W logo. It is extraordinary. Uh, and then they also carved in the Outback Bowl. And for some reason, I still have the photo. I can't even remember who these kickers were, but somebody asked me to take a photo for them and send it to them. So I've got a picture it. of all the specialists. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You got Hafe. You got Hafe go yep. giggling. No, you got the punter Drew Meyer. You've got uh, Connor Ulhoven, who's thirty-seven. I 37 think was Andy, Andy, um, Endicott. Yep. 
Eddie okay. Endicott. Yeah. And I think that's the one. Who, yeah. I don't know why I still have these photos, but uh, <laughs> I guess I have fond memories of that game. It was, yeah, it, I mean, it was a good game. It was a fantastic game. And and Auburn had talked all that trash, like Melvin Gordon wouldn't even run for a thousand yards in the SEC. Like it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And he went out on, on such a high note. Um, I think that the off the field, I remember it rained one day. So they ended up practicing in St. Pete at the, at the dome. And we had to go over there. I don't, I don't even know why we went over there. Cause it was like, we got in there for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. That place is an absolute trash heap. And it's still the, and it's still the stadium for the Tampa Bay Rays right now. So that is, that's uh, kind of what I remember. But for this game with Chimray not playing and with Skyler not playing, uh, do we see Tresh Kahuna? He played four games. There is there was a waiver last year allowing redshirt players to play in the bowl game, but not that for that game to count. It was a one-time waiver, as far as I understand. Would you play him and, and lose that redshirt? Uh, I don't think I think you can you don't lose your redshirt this year. I looked at I mean I, I couldn't find anything about this year. I found something about last year and it was a one time thing. According to uh, according to articles I seen. Either way, it if if not, yes, I think he's going to see see a lot of time because I think you're going to have Vinny Anthony on the outside, I think you're going to have Quincy Burroughs on the outside, you're going to have uh Will Pauling and it's going to be Tresh in the, you know, in the slot, you would think, and we'll see where Bryson obviously Bryson Green and CJ Williams fit in in this too. That's kind of exciting to me. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm kind of excited to see some of these young guys. I don't know who's going to be playing all these different positions, um, you know, and whether how many of these seniors are going to play. And we certainly obviously know so these guys going to the portal aren't going to be there. So I don't know who's going to play running back. I don't know who's going to play at wide receiver. Who knows? Going to, like the offensive line could be a little uh, look a little different. Defensive line could look a little different. Inside linebackers could look a little different. It's, it's at least intriguing in that respect. I think it's more intriguing this time around than it was last year. Yeah, this is much like we're talking about what the transfer portal has become. This is what bowl games are going to become. And remember last year, <laughs> Graham Mertz was gone. Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State's quarterback, was gone. And in the end, Oklahoma State had 12 scholarship players in the portal, including five starters by the time that bowl game happened. And this is... It, a question that is out there, although I don't even feel like it's much of a question, but Jaden Daniels, who's going to win the Heisman trophy is a top 10 NFL draft pick. And there is no reason for him to play in this game. I believe Malik neighbors, who's one of the best wide receivers in the country and another projected top 10 pick. If I'm not mistaken, has said that he would like to play in this game. So remains to be seen. I don't know, but both rosters are going to look much, much different. And I think that's part of you. You look at this, and you say, oh, LSU, they're 13th in the college football playoff ranking. They're nine and three. They're three losses. They came to teams that are all ranked in the top 11 of the college football playoff poll. Ole Miss, Alabama, who got in, Florida State, who got screwed. Conversation for another day since this is a Badger show. But that team that appears to be such a huge mismatch is not going to be that team when they actually play. So I mean, if, if Jane, if Jane Daniels plays, well, obviously, he's a totally extreme, different guy from two years ago, which. Yes, it's it, and his and his talent around him is, is completely different as well. If if I remember correctly, there were quite a few guys from Arizona State sitting out that game too. Um, I had forgotten that, by the way, Zach, white, that he was the quarterback for that game. The, his last game at Arizona State was against Wisconsin, and numbers the not one, great. <laughs> no, 
No, but he, uh-huh. I mean, he's, he scares you with, I mean, he scared you with his legs. Uh, the passing numbers were not overly impressive. What he's done, what LSU has done to quarterbacks, whether it was Joe Burrow and, and I don't know, Joe, like an afterthought at Ohio State comes down and does what he does. And then you bring in Jaden Daniels, who was not a great passer at Arizona State. He had success. I think he was the big, I think he was the Pac 12 freshman of the year, his first year. I'm not positive on that. Don't, don't hold me to that. But he was, he was pretty good. He just wasn't, what he is now. I mean, the man is, is the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes. Yeah, I shouldn't even say winner, but favorite. We both have a vote. I'm not going to say who we voted for, but I think you may have just, I may have just told you. Um, but there are, those are, if he plays, this game is not going to be close. Um, we'll just, we'll see. We'll see. I, I I would be surprised if he plays. I would also be surprised if Malik Neighbors plays. And they also have another receiver there. I think it's Brown. That is, is uh, uh, another potential. Who, Brian Brian Thomas Jr. He's he's got yeah, yeah. a thousand yards and he actually leads the team in touchdown catches. He's got 15 neighbors has 14. Yeah, I think he's a guy that may not play either. So if those guys don't play, Wisconsin has a chance. If uh Jane Daniel shows up, <laughs> could be a long day. Could be a on long the day. other hand, what's this running game gonna look like? Let's be real. You mentioned we don't know who's playing running back. Well, I feel like we have a decent idea. Jackson Aker, Cade Giacomelli. You don't have a lot of running back options right now. Which is why I don't know what the running game is going to look like. Yes, I should have said should, I don't. I should. I should have said I don't know what the running game is going to look like, but we'll yeah. see. Ches Malusi, by the way, was uh, Luke Fickle was asked about it. He doesn't expect Ches to play, even though he'll be three months out from that injury. So another guy we're waiting on to see what his future looks like. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll discuss more of it on Thursday night out at Monks in Sun Prairie. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Camp.